The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is all things elite. Welcome back to all things elite. Load up the pod, man. It's on when we speak. Rich right here, let me warm it up for Austin and Floyd. Couldn't be no one but the boys. When it come to all things elite from the fan perspective, swear, man, it ain't no question. Here from the first, swear, man, they putting in the work. No, they had to get me for the verse. Social suplex networks on. I was at a time in your headphones. Austin and Floyd on the microphone. Backing out on the rent, getting in the zone. Pulling up the show, give us seven stars, you already know. Who else could it be but the show with the proclivity for a positivity? I'm gone. Welcome, everyone, to the 205th episode of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I am your host, Floyd Going to London Johnson, and with me today, replacing Austin this week because he got called in last minute to cover for someone, so he won't be able to be on this show. We got our frequent collaborator, my fill-in, my guy that I can always call at the last second, Mr. J.R. Perez. How you doing today, J.R.? I'm doing well. It is a wonderful time of the year as we are recording on August 23rd or in uh, for other people, maybe August 24th. Great time because we are t- heading towards Major League, the end of Major League Baseball season into playoffs and we're starting college football and the NFL season right around the corner. And we are on the precipice. We are on the right around the corner. One of the biggest wrestling events in the history of professional wrestling, all in Wembley Stadium with how many, Floyd? 80,000 people. I said 82,132 was going to be the official number, and I am closer to being right than anybody ever thought I would be. We're not getting, we're not counting walk ins yet. Walk ups are going to get us probably to about 84, 85,000. So we're, we're there, but it is a great time of the year. I'm super excited and pumped right now. Yes, I am super excited and pumped right now. I am uh, not looking forward to this long ass flight to London, but uh, I am going to get over it. This is my first international flight ever. So uh, the length of the flight will be about twice, almost three times as long as I've ever been on a plane. So. I am excited to this. This episode, uh, we just want to throw this out there. This is the all-in preview. That's that's all it's going to be. It's going to be fairly short. We're going to talk about stuff that happened on Dynamite. And if anything pops up on the internet on what happened on the uh, collision that was recorded after, we'll throw that in there. But uh, you have to think on this episode, these are the matches that were announced right after Dynamite. Anything that gets announced later, uh, we won't be recording because I won't be able to record 
because I will be in another country. Not, you know, not to keep doing, not keep saying that. I feel like I said that too much already. <laughs> All right. So, yes, uh, make sure you're downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review if you're so inclined. You can follow us at ATLE Pod, at, at, at Social Suplex, at Austin Sumowitz, at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Sumowitz is spelled S Z U M. O-W-I-C-Z and J.R. where can they follow you because you're not on Twitter anymore uh, you cannot find me because I'm incognito for the foreseeable future so I love you guys yeah so he's not on social media right now so you're, all his thoughts are going to be right here just know he talks bad about you all behind your back thank you alright news of the week AW All In. That's the news of the week. No, news of the week is visa issues. So apparently there are some changes had to be made to the show because people were not able to get their visas for whatever reason. Apparently it was beyond their control. So uh, doing the uh, all uh, AEW All In media scrum, uh, we found out Ray Phoenix wasn't going to be able to make the show. They were going to adjust. Uh, they were going to address that on Dynamite. And they said other people, but uh, we I think we found out another another person tonight. I'm not sure if that's the issue, but it did seem like a if 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 it wasn't that, it was a weird left turn. So um yeah, so Ray Phoenix being out the show, uh, any thoughts on that, JR? Yeah, it's unfortunate Ray Phoenix is one of the found as the one of the founding talents of AEW and you know it would with a great platform for him to be on. It's unfortunate. Um, it's one of the reasons why at the bottom of every poster says card subject to change. You just have to uh, roll with the punches and move forward. And I, I think a lot of times what people may not understand, may not know when people like you and I, Floyd, I went to London last year, went to London, you just have a passport. But when you actually work there, there's a lot of, do- there's documentations and, and what's called work visas that you have to have. There's And sometimes just things don't, happen on a timely fashion and sometimes there's issues and it's it's just unfortunate but you know we uh we hope that uh just you know hope next time phoenix gets an opportunity and that's all i can say about that yeah uh i hope he uh, i get hope hopefully he gets to be at all out or whatever the next show is uh it does suck that he has to miss the show this is literally quite literally could be the biggest uh, uh, like the most attended show in uh, wrestling history. Uh, I know the tickets sold are more than any show in wrestling history that they can confirm. You know, it's not like uh, there are, there are some estimates out there and there was a lot of times back in the day that shows have work numbers. I don't know if this is the biggest show. It feels like the biggest show. Uh, 80,000 tickets sold. I want it to be the biggest show so I could say I was at the biggest show ever. But, you know, I'm not going to, if it's not true, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to take it. We're not, uh, we're not working numbers here. I just want whatever the number is. My number was always 82,132. You can listen to older episodes. JR has had me, I had told JR so many times and he told me I was ridiculous. So I am very happy that it at least got it's close to there. I might be low, which I, I truly think I'm going to be low. They got like 4,000 tickets, and this is a happening, so I just think people are just going to show up. I think it ultimately is going to sell out. And whatever the sellout number is, I think it's ultimately going to sell out. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. So 
all in preview. Um, Jr. Any okay? Do you have any talking points from Dynamite tonight? We're not gonna go through match by match, card by card on Dynamite. Uh, I just like, did you have some highlights from the show that you wanted to bring up? I'll go through bullet points. For me, this is one. This may may have been the best go home show for AEW has ever done. Uh, and going back to their last pay per view, uh, Forbidden Door. I didn't feel AW did enough to sell people on you need to buy this pay-per-view. This show for Dynamite, they covered uh real quickly, the beginning they they covered the Golden Elite versus Bullet Club Gold and Takeshita. They covered MJF versus Adam Cole, they covered um the Stadium Stampede. Uh they went into um uh the the coffin match uh Ozzy Open versus MGF and Adam Cole, uh FTR versus Young Bucks. That's what you want. They hit on I counted seven. I think I'm missing one more match that they that that they covered uh, that I was trying to go over real quickly. Um as we saw obviously there were changes. So there was a match between Phoenix versus Moxley. Um Phoenix was was written out due to injury. He was taken out by a crowbar at the hands of Blackpool Combat Club. Then we saw um, and I would like to get your you need to get your opinion on this, Floyd. We saw the returning Santana and Ortiz, who aligned with Blackpool Combat Club, uh, to go uh, into same Stampede to go against the uh, best friends, Orange Cassidy, Penta, and Eddie Kingston. As of right now, it looks like instead of six on six, it'll be five on five. What is your thoughts on um, on the returning Santana and Ortiz? as well as um, just now potentially being 5-on-5 five five at Stadium Stampede in Wembley. Proud and Powerful is part of the foundation of AEW. Um, uh, if you remember, uh, they debuted on uh, the first Dynamite, correct? And, um, yeah, they are, they are a team that I've loved since they were LAX uh, for a time in uh, Impact. To me, they were the only reason I was watching week to week. Them and Conan uh, were the only reasons I was watching week to week. So I am definitely uh, very happy that they're back. I'm glad Santana is healthy. I'm glad there were rumors, rumors, rumors in any window, unconfirmed rumors from my part because I'm not a part of the media, uh, that uh, Santana or Ortiz were thinking about breaking up. Uh, thinking about breaking up and not being proud and powerful. I didn't like that. I never liked it. I saw Ortiz wrestle by himself. I was like, I think Ortiz is super talented, but Santana and Ortiz, that's where the money is. That tag team's where the money is. Uh, I, and, you know, in this case, I predicted that they were going to be two of the three people from uh, Blackpool Combat Club. I just thought it just made so much sense. With their, uh, Ortiz had problems with Eddie Kingston. Uh, the best friends had problems with, uh, the best friends had problems with Santana Ortiz. Even a callback was made when uh, Blackpool Combat Club wrestled the best friends in the parking lot. So that even made me think more that it was going to be Santana and Ortiz. So I'm very excited that they're back. Yeah, as well as I, um, just follow up with you. The, they actually they debuted actually at, at uh, All Out, um, 
going um they interfered at the end of the ladder match between the young bucks and, and lucha bros and then obviously made a huge statement by joining the inner circle at the first AEW uh show in washington dc and was a you know pretty much in, near the main event for the whole first year of, of AEW. and i love both of them just like you said uh i think they're a tag team where they're both as competitors better better as a tag team than they are individually. I think also when you look at as many stars that AW has as individual talents, it'd be a lot harder for them to make noise individually, and it's just better and makes more sense for them to be, stay together as a tag team. And they're one of the best tag teams in the AW uh, roster uh, as they return back from hiatus. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited for Stadium Stampede. The next thing we saw um, was there was a match between Swerve and AR Fox versus Nick Wayne, Darby Allen. Uh, Nick Wayne gets the win over AR Fox. And obviously AR Fox was, uh, as we found out earlier, was like was likely to miss Stadium Stampede, was written out of the match uh, by being kicked out of Mongol Embassy. Brian Cage laid him out. And... When they look to be okay, who is enjoying Swerve? Um, I'm sorry, I said Stadium Stampede. I meant to say the coffin match. Would look to be who is going to join Swerve? Out comes Luchasaurus and Christian Cage. As we know, they've been feuding on collision with Darby Allen, and they're going to have a match, uh, Luchasaurus and Darby Allen, at all out for the TNT Championship. And it was announced that Christian Cage will now team with Swerve Strick with uh, Swerve Strickland to go against uh, Sting and Darby in the coffin match what are your thoughts about this move with christian cage coming into uh this uh match at wembley uh it sucked for air fox i was hoping that it'd just be brian cage i know a lot of people are not the hugest fans at times of him but i was hoping it'd just be brian cage because it would just make sense you know somebody else in the mogul embassy but to go with christian and then christian uh did the uh He's such a despicable heel. I love Christian. Christian, to me, I like real fake or whatever. He's a real heel. Like he gets booed no matter what. And he had to comment uh, to Nick Wayne. I heard about your dad, and it, I that it, like that thing. He didn't even say your dead dad or anything. Just that comment about your dad. Everyone's like, oh my god, he's going to go into it again. And Christian, the real TNT champion. Uh, uh, Swerve, and that's cool because you know you got the new generation with Swerve and uh, Darby, and I'm not talking about early '90s WWF new generation. I'm talking about kind of like a newer wrestler generation, and uh, Darby with his mentor Sting, and uh, Swerve with a, a heel mentor, so, uh, a Christian, because there's not a heel in wrestling that couldn't learn something from Christian. Uh, absolutely. Uh, my thing is, I really enjoyed AR Fox being part of Mogul Embassy. I thought it was putting him on a fast track to uh, getting a lot of notoriety in AEW. Obviously, you know, things had to change due to uh, whatever reason is he couldn't make um, the trip to London, which that's what looks to be. I just hope that this change doesn't affect him. We've seen that happen before where circumstances out of control had to change storylines and sometimes talent doesn't get that momentum back. So I, I love AR Fox. I've been a big fan of his going back to when I saw him in Lucha Underground for the first time. So uh, hopefully uh, he stays on the right track. But I think with this match and the Dashley Hill Christian Cages is is going to be is going to be great 
for the fans at Wembley, for the fans watching at home, and also add another chapter in this feud between Darby Allen versus Christian Cage and Luchasaurus going into All Out at the United Center the next week. Uh, and I think the last thing was um, just uh, the F- FTR versus the Young Bucks promo. As you know, we we're getting that final piece, that fi- the the you know the next iteration as we go into um, Wembley All In. What were your thoughts on the promo uh, for that we saw tonight? Oh my God! Uh, yeah, I always thought uh, if you know you're talking about brass tacks. You're talking about uh, the resumes and stuff. I've always said STR's resume is impressive. Uh, the Young Bucks resume might have been longer or whatever. And, you know, they started the company. So tonight in the promo battle, uh, F- uh, uh, got to go Bucks one, FTR nothing. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, they, it, it, it wasn't relatively close. Uh, yeah, shout out to uh, the Young Bucks. This is the Young Bucks that... I was introduced to. They were faces, but they were snarky asshole faces. They they made being snarky and asshole a cool. They they were the people that tell you you suck. And they would if you had a drinking problem, they'd call you drunk. But fans still cheered them. And this day, yeah, they they went deep on FTR. They went deep on FTR. You don't exist without us. Is basically what they said. And you know. I don't agree with that statement. I, I was very much more uh, uh, I was more aware of FTR than I was at the Young Bucks at the time. Uh, and the whole FTR thing, which I always said, you know, it was a name from BTE, but it's a name that Cody gave them. They, they uh, F the Revival came from Cody, you know, uh, the man himself. So uh, they always say, we named you or whatever. But I'm like, actually, let's technically Cody named them. But... Um, yeah, I, I thought it was, I d- it was done well because I think it was done with the intent of uh, Young Bucks winning the verbal battle, and they definitely won the verbal battle tonight. Yeah, w- when you look at the history of tag team wrestling, I'm gonna say our time, our you know, in our lives, because trying to cover things before the '80s is just gonna be way too ridiculous to do. But I think of the great potential rivalries that have occurred you know going to the attitude era we saw edge and christian versus the hardys versus the dudleys um looking at um demolition and they had a a feud with the heart foundation and you know the midnight express back in the 80s with the fantastics uh the road warriors versus uh tolly and arn and um this to me is when you look at who people consider could be the greatest tag teams with their respected fan bases, this is this is a, uh, going to go down as one of the biggest matches in tag team wrestling to determine legacy and who is going to go down in the history of professional wrestling as one of, if not the best tag team of professional wrestling. And when I say that one of, I don't mean like we all know they're both the best, uh, one of the best. But it's that the winner could be the absolute unequivocally number one or number two to some team like the Road Warriors or the Harlem Heat or something like that. That was one of your favorite teams going up. I think the Young Bucks took a lot of momentum going into Wembley. I think there's a lot of wind underneath 
uh, has been taken out of the cells of FTR going into Wembley with with the promo battle today, for lack of a better term. And I feel like they're a little bit, you know, I know the term's being thrown around a lot buried, but man, I feel like they were kind of buried a little bit, like, you know, with with how this promo came out. Because what they had to offer versus what the Young Bucks had to offer, as much as of FTR, uh, it did not work well for them. And I, I won't go into, I don't want to go into yet, like, the predictions for All In. But yeah, I really feel Young Bucks has taken a lot of momentum into Wembley Stadium now. See, I think this match did exactly what uh, it had to do. I think this match needed to be personal, right? And I don't think it was personal. It, this was like, the FTR was like, oh, we got something to prove. We challenged the Young Bucks. They came out and saved the Young Bucks. I don't think there was enough heat. I don't think there was enough aggression. Conflict builds matches, and I didn't think there was any conflict. Tonight made it personal, made it conflict. Matt invoked uh, Dax's daughter. He said, I'm no, basically, we're the reason you can feed your family. We're the reason you matter. We're, we brought you in. Now, again, it was very much a way of a heel looking at things because FTR was making pretty damn good money in WWE. You know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't struggling. And apparently they turned down some heavy, 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 uh, you know, pay increases, pay raises just to come to a- AEW. So it's not like they, they were uh, hand to mouth before uh aew came along uh so but it was done very well uh, i thought it was perfect i thought reaction to it uh i want to let everyone know uh when you talk about cash wheeler the cash wheeler represented in the second half of this interview where he was just quiet and he looked like he wanted to punch the young bucks in the face that's cash wheeler okay <laughs> he was done talking he wanted to fight right there. He wanted to settle this match right there. I thought the intent and the pissed off look on his face made the, this segment. When they didn't, like, even in the end, when they really didn't have a lot to come back with, it's because, dude, yeah, we're not, go- we're not fighting you on the mic. We're going to fight you in the ring. I thought this added about, if you, let's just say the thing was at a six. I think it was at an 8. Like, for me, it was at a 10, and they brought it up to a 12. So, yeah, I just thought this promo was everything this match needed. Yeah, and, and one of the things is, I know, we, you know, look at different types of wrestling fans and what they like, what they don't like, and what different wrestling programs have had to offer or companies. One of the things that I think that boils down to at the end of the day you know, people like AEW because some of the cool matches they have or, or the talent and some of the things they can do. But what resonates with people in general is blood feuds. It's personal rivalries. When you look at wrestling, you look at what HBK and Shawn Michaels evolved to. When you look at what John Cena Edge evolved to, people can t- understand taking things personal because we're humans and at times you get angry because somebody said crossed you and said something to you that pissed you off and when you invoke that in a feud people can understand that that's one of the reasons why as me translating to an ma fan when the fights become personal those sell the best because people understand that it's not just good enough to be number one versus number two it's i hate you or I don't like you, or I think I'm better than you, and I'm going to beat your ass. And that's what they did with this. 
we're better than you when we think we can or we can beat you and we're going to show you in front of 80,000 people at Wembley. Yeah, and the thing with uh, the Young Bucks, they basically said this is just another match for them. They didn't even care. They like, this match is going to do nothing for their legacy. Their legacy's ridding. FTR needs it for their legacy. And I thought that was a, a, a very Young Bucks way to take it. Like, dude, we're, we are who we are. We already made wrestling better. Uh, this means something to your legacy, not uh, nothing to ours. So I thought, I, like I said, it's it's very Young Bucks. It's the Young Bucks I was introduced to. It was the BTE Young Bucks. They were the person that, oh, that's the one thing you're not supposed to say to that guy. And they were going to be the, they were going to say the one thing you weren't supposed to say. And I thought tonight they said a lot of things you're not supposed to say. And now FTR is coming in. They're they're coming in not to wrestle. They're coming in to fuck them up. There you go. That's that's pretty much everything I had on Mike's part from Dynamite. So unless and Floyd, that's obviously I'm, I feel like I'm taking over hosting duties. But unless you have anything else to add, I think dude, we're ready to move into all in. Dude, I was very much okay with that. I, <laughs> I, that's why I brought Austin in was the host. So no, uh, yeah, we're gonna j- jump right into all in. Uh, I will be in attendance in Wembley Stadium in London with whom we will be the pod father, the godfather of social suplex, Mr. Jeremy Donovan. Also, uh, also a uh, Dave Finishill. Uh, he is off. He has uh, sometimes been guest on different shows on uh, the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And then my friend Steve. He, uh, I call him Stevie. But, uh, yeah, he's already in Manchester right now, and I'm going to meet him Friday. That's who I'm actually going to the show with. And a host of other people from the U.K. that I have met over my wrestling travels. So I'm very excited. Uh, you know, as a super, this is super personal to me. Uh, WrestleMania, uh, one of the first pay-per-views I can say I watched live. Uh, I believe I went over a friend's house. And it was WrestleMania 92 and uh, SummerSlam. And the great thing is, I believe it was shown on a tape delay. It had been recorded earlier in the day or whatever. I don't remember all the uh, details of it. But I remember the story buildup of Bret Hart versus uh, Davey Boy Smith. Uh, They were brother-in-laws. The Intercontinental title was main eventing at Wembley Stadium. Packed capacity crowd. You know, in that moment... Where David Boy Smith uh, uh, rolled up, uh, uh, countered uh, uh, countered a sunset flip, and uh, pinned Bret Hart in the middle of the ring to become the new Intercontinental Champion. From that moment, from that day, and I uh, I, I told uh, in one of my meet and greets with Dax, I told him that uh, I will. I was like, I'll be in Wembley because of this match because of SummerSlam '92. I said, I am going to be uh, in Wembley. And if you heard earlier shows on All All Things Elite, I made the proclamation that AEW's first show in London, I was going to be there. And I had said it many times, their first show in London, I was going to be there. Now, I can honestly say at the time, I probably was just talking because I say shit. I don't know if I always 100% mean it, but I say shit. But the fact that AEW's first show in London, uh, first international pay-per-view, um, yeah, I'm going to be there. And it's not lost on me. It is, 
how fortunate I am to get this done, how fortunate I was to get my passport on time, uh, which is a whole nother journey. Uh, I put in my passport in June, early June. Uh, I made a typo on my passport. My fault. You heard about it on the show last week. I'm not going to go all into that. Uh, again, uh, I sent in the uh, corrected documents. For some reason, they didn't get updated in my paperwork. So I had to make an appointment to go up on Monday. I went into my appointment on Monday. And luckily, they had already done most of the work. So they printed out me a passport. And so I am good to travel. I am leaving out Thursday afternoon from Oklahoma City. We'll be in London Friday morning. So um, I am, yeah, over the moon. I literally can't believe it's happening. I still can't believe that it's going to happen. I can't believe this is real. Like, I won't believe it until I touch ground in London. And it probably won't even be 100% real until I'm in my seat in Wembley. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Uh, JR will be watching at home on Bleacher Report, which is amazing. Uh, JR, 100%, he has a plane, a trip planned for Japan, or 100%, he'd be at the show with me. So I'm looking forward to everything about it. What do you think about the overall impact, 80,000 people in Wembley? What does this mean to you personally? You know, it's, it's a credit. One of the things that, um, people may not know if they've never been into um overseas seeing an event and i don't care if it's boxing i don't care if it's soccer i don't care if it's wrestling or mma european crowds are very passionate about the events they go to i've been fortunate enough to see wrestling in london and ireland uh, excuse me belfast northern ireland and uh I'll be smaller crowds. I got a chance to see UFC in, at the O2 Arena last year in London. And it's a, dip, a different atmosphere. And I'm not saying that... I Actually, I'm going to say this. As American wrestling fans, I think we take for granted how fortunate we are to have events um, that come that are easier to travel to. Um, you know, for example, I live in California. And I got some... I, got, I had WrestleMania that came this year. Um, going to Dallas last year was pretty easy to get to. For people across the pond, they don't get events of this magnitude. Um, I know last year, WWE provided Clash at the Castle from Wells, which was a big event, did great number. A lot of people liked it. Um, that was the biggest thing they did since, I think, SummerSlam 92. Um, I know now they're looking at expanding back into the UK, especially since we're kind of a little bit post-pandemic. Um but to do Wembley, and I, I think I'm going to say this, and it's not to take anything away because I think this is, but so people understand, um, you know, Wembley, uh, I'll go back a little bit. Madison Square Garden, where it is, is not the original Madison Square Garden. It's, you know, they've re they demolished it, rebuilt, moved it a couple of times, you know, in throughout its history. Wembley had to undergo the original Wembley had to undergo renovations to the point where they they built a new Wembley, and it expanded the seating arrangement, which people say to this day, if Wembley in '92 was bigger, they probably would have been closer to a hundred thousand fans, and by expanding Wembley and going into the new Wembley Stadium they have now, which was built in 2007, and expanding the the seating. 
we can see how much more people we can fit into the new stadium because people have a thirst. And it's just not in England and the UK. People are going to travel um, to London, England from all over Europe. I've already seen people commenting that they're coming from different countries because once you're there, it's easier to travel to. And this is, I'll give you an example. Last year, I went from London to Paris as part of my trip. I took a three and a half hour train ride to get from London to Paris. I live in California. I can't get from LA to San Francisco in three and a half hours. I can't leave the state in three and a half hours and I can get to another country. So in three and a half hours, they, um, you know, they have plane rides and, and puddle jumpers or, you know, they come fast and furious and, and easier to move across Europe to get to London. So this is this isn't just a UK crowd. This is going to be a European crowd with a mixture of North American fans who are able to make the trip over there and having over 80,000 people and I do believe they're going to get close once you add in, once you add the walk-ups to it on the day of buys you're going to have a complete sellout I really feel that it's going to be 85,000 uh, that and that is not going to be disputable disputable that's going to be undisputed that many people bought tickets to see that show and um for the biggest event in the history of of European wrestling you can talk about size of WrestleMania stuff as far as magnitudes, and that's that's for a different story. But at the end of the day, it's going to be one of the biggest in wrestling in general, uh, wrestling history in general. And again, it's it shows that there is a thirst for big events in um, in Europe. I don't know if they'll be able to do eighty five thousand again because, as you said, Floyd, and you're offline. You only get one shot to do it once. And then, you know, a little bit of that, that magic kind of dissipates a little bit. I do think if they do it again, they're still going to get big numbers. But it's like this shows, hey, you bring – if you build it, they will come. And I think if you do it once a year, people will come out. And it, it's really going to, I think, change European, the market in Europe for European wrestling to get more events out there. I mean, if you go back to even – and I'll end with this. Ten years ago, Impact, they were drawing – you know, I went to um, a Bound for Glory. They had five thousand people there, but I think eight months before they were in in England doing thirteen thousand seat Impact wrestling shows. That's the thirst they have. They want it, and if you go out there and you do it, and uh, you know, at least once a year, they're going to come out in droves and, and celebrate. Um, and as you said, it's happening. It's more than just this guy versus this guy. It's this is wrestling. This ain't even about. This is bigger than AEW, to be quite honest. It's this is a big wrestling show. We're here to see it because we want it and we love this. It's the the window. I mean, I mean, All In is uh, All In was one of it was the wrestling show that changed wrestling. It really was. So it already had the brand name with it. It was the launch of AEW. It was the uh what a pilot of AEW it was you know the one thing you know the show where Tony Khan was like yeah we can make this work and so what it means it might be the most important wrestling show in wrestling history like the all in might be the most important so the brand that AEW now has of all in is that so it, well, you weren't just getting a show in uh London you're not just getting a pay-per-view. You're not getting 
full gear. You're not getting uh, double or nothing. Where they've done the places in other uh, towns, you're getting all in. There has never been an AEW all in. This is the first AEW all in, and you get it in London. London is the birthplace of this pay-per-view. There, you made it as big as you could in London and uh, people from America and all over the world are showing up and showing out. I have people like from a couple states over in Louisiana uh, and people from Texas all like, oh, you're going to be there? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be there because it's such a wrestling happening. And people just want to be able to say I was there. I've, I've even thought about like if the match is everything I think it's going to be. Very much thinking about getting an all-in tattoo. Very much thinking about uh, getting it. Because it's just, that's how much the show these, uh, and everything means to me. So, we probably want to actually jump into the show before we talk an hour and a half more about how much the show means to us. <laughs> Alright, so, all-in preview. Uh, the first is the buy-in match. And again, we're going to do these match is important to us. So, there's... If you know anything about me and JR, you know what match we're discussing last. It shouldn't be a question in your mind. You shouldn't question the order because you know what match we're talking about last. And they have recorded Collision. And in the, the review that I wrote for the, uh, Collision, there was no more added matches. I would hate if that's actually true because I think they should do like a battle royal or something to get the rest of the roster on the show. But uh, as of right now, there has been no more added matches to uh, all in. The buy-in match we got, we got uh, better than you, baby. MJF and Adam Cole versus Aussie Open for the ROH World Tag Team Championship. Uh, Matt MJF has promised, has promised us a kangaroo kick, and that is going to be the move that wins them on titles, sir. Does he get the kangaroo kick off? Absolutely, and I'm going to say it's going to happen. Uh, uh, if you say the match is, let's say, 20 minutes long, it's going to happen halfway through the match, 10-minute mark, mark or under. You'll see the kangaroo kick. I want to see the kangaroo kick, and I pretty much want uh, – I've been bringing this up that I want uh, Dunkzilla to no-sell it. And, yeah, just, like, completely, like, screw you. That's not going to beat me. That would be awesome, but we will see. We will see uh, what happens there with the kangaroo kick. Uh, who you got winning the match? I believe Ozzy Open will retain. I think uh, you will see something significant between Adam Cole and MJF in this match. I don't know exactly what that will be, but because of that, it will lead to Ozzy Open retaining. Yes, um, I completely agree with that. I don't think there's going to be a turn moment in this match. I think there's going to be turn teases where Adam Cole almost kicks uh, MJF, where MJF almost knocks out Adam Cole, where you think MJF is going to take advantage, and I think they're going to leave the tease open until the main event of the show. What they've done good on this, uh, or well on this uh, uh, show is they've done well to literally give you a reason to believe both of them are going to turn. And I think it's excellent because I have people that are like, I'm 100% uh, guaranteeing, you know, like MJF is turning. And then I've heard people say the same thing about Adam Cole. So, uh, yeah, I, thought, I think they've done that really well. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the next match we're going to look into 
is uh, the uh, four-way women's match for the AEW World Title. We have the UK, uh, UK's own Soraya. Uh, Soraya, excuse me. Uh, we have uh, Tony Storm. She's from Australia, right? Uh, and then Hikaru Shida from Japan, and then Britt Baker from America. This is truly an international AEW women's title match. That's kind of awesome. Four different countries represented in this match. Uh, sir, what do you think about the match? How's it lining up? Who you got winning? So, real quickly, um, there needs to be, uh, and you may, may, I believe you may have mentioned this in an earlier episode when Shida won the AEW Women's uh, Championship. Now she's two-time AEW Women's Champion. There needs to be some sort of shift in the AEW Women's Division. Um, there, There is a lot of, seems like, stagnant, and sometimes things happen for the sake of happening. For example, I believe tonight we should have had something about this match on the show. It was the only match that I don't believe was covered on the show uh, that could have been left for a collision, which is fine. But... Obviously, we know Dynamite gets bigger numbers than Collision, and the it, the the women's division just doesn't feel in the right place. And like today, instead of getting something about the match, we got Ruby Soho versus Sky Blue, who I love both of them, but they're not on the card for All Out, at least not yet. And I don't believe they are. So why are we getting something for these four women on the show of Dynamite? I don't know what that shift or that change is going to be to make the women's to put the women's division back in, in prominence because it used to be they people said well they didn't have talent. There is a lot of talent in the women's division. They're just not given the time or the I, I would say for lack of a better phrase meaningful storylines. I hope in this match they all four women showcase what they all bring to the table which they are unique in their own way and from this will create a rivalry that would hope that would spark something in the women's division um and if you look at somebody who came to aw last year which was soraya and the first woman signed to aw which was Britt baker i think that would be the two that potentially something could occur that would um, make that change. And I see um, the ending of Soraya getting a chance to run with the belt and lead to a bigger feud with, or continue a feud with Bert Baker as being part to kind of move the division in, different, in, another, in a, maybe a, a new direction or a different direction or bring prominence back to the women's division because it just does, it feels stale like nothing's happening right now. Yeah, uh, Soraya, I'm going with her. I think give her the hometown pop, um, and you know, give her let her win the match. They didn't want to take it off Tony, so I think Tony dropped it to Sheeta for Sheeta to uh, then beat Soraya, uh, which would be great. Um, if they got something, if they got somebody in the uh chamber that might be debuting or re debuting, this would uh, be a perfect place, uh. Uh, perfect place to bring them back. If Jay Cargill wanted to re-debut, this would be a perfect place to bring her back. So, yeah. Because I think the women's division needs something. It needs a shot in the arm. Uh, just being on social media, Twitter. Again, Twitter's not real. I know not everybody thinks the way Twitter has, but I do think Twitter it generally predicts problems 
in the future when people see an issue and it comes bigger. And right now, this is about as down as I've seen people on the AEW's women's division. So I think this match needs something. I don't know what it is, and I think it definitely needs to be a banger. 100% agree. Uh, yes. Uh, third match, we have that man, the wrestling, the god of wrestling, the former god of wrestling, Kenny Omega. Uh, and then we got uh, in his golden lover, Kota Ibushi. And then there's this hangman horse guy from Virginia, whatever. Hangman Adam Page is in the match, uh, for one of the part of the six man. And then uh, they're to take on Takesta, Kanosta, Takesta, and the Bang Bang Gang, Mr. Jay White and Juice Robinson, rock hard Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold. So one of the things I want, and I should have mentioned this before we moved on, um, we mentioned the importance of all in. And when you think about who brought you to the table, you think of your, your let's say, for like a better phrase, your AEW originals. And I remember going back to the invasion angle in WWE and WCW, and then more talent came in, like Goldberg and Scott Steiner. It was like, hey, you realize like those guys were on the other side of the war? And it's very hard to get to use them to for us to put them over because we were in like the trenches with you in WWE to beat them. And so this is kind of a problem. Well, I kind of see the same thing with with this with with all in the event of magnitude where you have AW originals like Kenny Omega, Hangman, um, and you're gonna see more throughout the show, obviously. It's like um you know, part of me is like they should get the win. They should get the moment because the, the, from the ten thousand at All In to the sellout in in Las Vegas for the first double or nothing, the sellout for for the first all out and multiple, you know, and putting AW on the map. It's like, hey, we got you to the dance. Like it was us that started this. So before you start trying to put over the the what I've used in the past, like for lack of a better phrase, I stole was the new breed. Remember who got you here. Now, so part of me with this match is like, Kenny Omega and Hangman, you know, obviously Ibushi is not an AEW original, but he's part of them as compared to Bullet Club Gold as well as Takeshi. It's like, they should get their victory in their victory lap in Wembley because they're the ones that got you to the dance, especially obviously being in the elite. At the same time, though, you also need to think about the future and like putting somebody on the map. And there's people, including people who don't are who are constant criticism of AEW, that think Takeshita is one of the best prospects for the future of AEW. And, and that's big, considering the fact is that you know coming from coming from Japan into America, it's like well you know that he, some people may think like well it's going to be hard for him to break through. But he has such a great look. He has a great presence about him. And I really like his heel stuff, especially with that weasel Don Callis. It's like, it really would be extremely important for him to get this victory to set up a, to set up the next chapter of his rivalry with Omega for a bigger match down the line, um, a one-on-one match. So, yeah, I, you know, I think your, your heart would be, let's go with the, you know, the golden elite. But my mind's thinking for business sake, the right person to go over is Bullet Club and Takesha, especially with Takesha getting the victory in this match. 
Well, all I know is I don't care who wins this match as long as Hangman loses. Such a hater. Oh, absolutely. He's the terrible worst friend, worst human in the world. Hangman Page deserves to be clotheslined by Takeshita and then catch a, uh, a switchblade. Yeah, that's what needs to happen. Oh, I forgot. Rock Harp needs to punch him in the face with some quarters. Now, uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Kota Bushi, who is an amazing wrestler, and Kenny Omega are catching this hangman hate. They're, they're, they're catching, uh, what is it? Uh, they're just uh, the deflections. You know what I mean? The, 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 the ricochet of my hangman hate. So, uh, no, um, Honestly, as far as what makes the most sense, what makes the most sense is to catch depending Kenny Omega because that could lead to their match or whatever. But you know what I want to happen? Hangman to get pinned. That's it. Hangman. But honestly, if you go on the legacy of the, the Bang Bang Gang, yeah, Juice Robinson is probably going to get pinned by Buckshot Lariat. Come on. That's <laughs> probably what's going to happen. But my prediction is... Bang, bang, gang. Guns up, baby. Bang, bang, gang. Because of my boys Austin and Colton, they're going to come in, run interference, give them an old 310 to Yuma. One, two, three. There you go. That's a lot. I like it. Oh, yeah. I just want a hangman to lose. Can hangman just lose? Can one person just lose? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it works that way. It's not a, it's not a scramble. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what makes it hard because I like I want Kenny Omega to win and I want Obushi to win, but I want Hangman to lose. So that's 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 just that's like literally like a triple A match. It's like <laughs> there are six people in the match, but that but there's technically only one loser because that loser has to shave his head and lose his mask. Exactly, exactly. If when he loses, let's send him to the glue factory. Let's do that. <laughs> oh my god, all right, we need to move on. The horse. We gotta send the horse. It's a horse. He's a fucking horse. He said it, not me. Uh, Stadium Stampede. We got the Blackpool Combat Club of John Marksley, uh, Willa Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli with uh, teaming with Proud and Powerful Santana and Ortiz versus Orange Cassidy, the best friends, Eddie Kingston, and Penta. El Cerro Meadow, or is it just Penta? I don't know. Whichever one. Uh, five on five, stadium stampede match. Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, I have to give a shout out to JR. Uh, before this match was announced, before I had seen rumors on it. So, again, you might be more in the know than me if you're listening to this show. But uh, uh, JR, just out of nowhere, there's going to be a stadium stampede match. I'd say this was like a month ago. Maybe over that, I'm not really good with times. He said there's going to be a stadium stampede match. I told him he was out of his freaking mind. That was that was pandemic stuff. They're not bringing the stadium. He's like, first stadium match, there's going to be a stadium stampede. Damn it. And we argued about it incessantly, like for like an hour or something, before we uh, finally, you know, you know, tapped out and just said, you know, let's agree to disagree. And then, yeah, I got to come back and say I'm wrong, which sucks. So what do you think about being right, JR? You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I just know everything. What do you want me to say? Nah, it's, but what it is, Stadium Stampede was something that was very unique. Uh, it was during a very, you know, dark time in the world. And the, especially the first one in 2020. The second one was, you know, that 2021 was, you know, things had just slowly started to open up. There was fans. 
and it was a different, you know, a, a different situation. But when you think of the magnitude of Wembley Stadium, and say goodbye to your credit card rewards, greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill the different things you could do. I don't know. It just kind of felt like it made sense. It's like, well, we had anarchy in the arena and T-Mobile that kind of essentially replaced it. This is your, and I know Grand Slam is, is kind of technically a stadium because it's a tennis, but this is a, this is a stadium. This is like a massive soccer stadium. Like this would be a, this is a place to bring that match back of, of this magnitude. So I'm glad they did it. I would say I think it's going to be drastically different, obviously, because in 2020, there was no fans. It was an empty field. 2021, um, you know, it was a dailies connected to the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. So I and then eventually worked its way to the people. I think what they're probably going to do, in my opinion, is you would see some backstage stuff. Um, I, I think I could be completely wrong about this. Um, but some backstage segments like you saw in 2021 and then it will lead to the concourse and then eventually down the stadium into the fans, which would be very similar to what they did at Anarchy Arena. The difference is it won't be an arena like T-Mobile in Vegas. It's an actual stadium, so which is why it would make sense to call a stadium stampede. So I think it's going to be crazy. I think all bets are off. You could see, you know, anything from people diving off one level of the Wembley to the next level Wembley. You could see more pyro kicks. Um, you could see, you know, I mean, obviously we saw a bed of screwdrivers. I mean, who knows what could happen? Eddie Kingston threatened to put someone on fire the last time he was in a match like this. So all bets are off as far as what you can see. I believe it's going to be complete, utter chaos. Um, I I do think um, Blackpool Combat Club and Pride and Powerful are going to get the W. Um I just a lot of momentum is with them, and then with with Santana Ortiz coming back, I think they need to recapture the momentum that they lost by being on a hiatus due to injury and for other reasons. So I like them getting the win, and then I'll toss it to you because you have Floyd an idea that I think only is the only idea that makes sense for the other team to win. Yes, so I this match is going to be crazy. I think this is a perfect match for this kind of show because unfortunately, some people are going to have shitty seats. It's just the way it is. Uh, there is sections on the floor when you're in the back of the floor, unless you're like 6'2", you're not going to see everything. So you're going to have shitty seats. But for the 15 to 20 minutes uh, that Stadium Stampede is going on, everybody in the bottom section can be or will be in the first row. Everybody will have their phones out recording, and I just think this is a great show to do this. Excellent idea. I'm sorry I dismissed it so quickly when JR brought it up, but it's very much an excellent idea. Um, my thoughts on this match. I, I mean, I have it ending with Eddie Kingston pinning Claudio Castagnoli, and the reason I have it as Kingston pinning him is to set up an ROH title match at uh, All Out because, uh, you know, you're going to need matches from this show to make matches at All Out. I think we get Claudio versus Kingston uh, for the ROH title. 
So I think somehow Eddie Kingston's gonna get in the ring and him Claudio are gonna have it out and he's gonna hit him with the two or three of those back fists and finally pin Claudio in a tag match that leads to him getting a rematch it all out. I also think out of coming out of this match, I don't know if we're going to get this at All Out or on the Dynamite before All Out. I think we're also going to get John Moxley and OC for the international title. But uh, maybe we even get uh, Santana Ortiz against the best friends again. I don't know, but I, I at least think we're going to get those two matches. But yes, I got the Kingston team coming out on top uh, by uh, Eddie Kingston finally getting a pin over Claudio. How are you? All right. Uh, yeah, so let's go on to the next match. The next match we have, we have a casket match. Darby Allen and Sting versus Christian Swerve and Ca- uh, uh, Christian uh, Cage and Swerve. Sir, how do you see this? First, I, I, I ask a question. How many people do you see being involved in this match with the cast of characters and the amount of friends that they have? I'm going to set the over under at eight and I'm going to say it's going to go over that. Um, I believe you're going to see at least two people, two other additional people. One for sure, Luchasaurus. And I'm assuming at least um, Prince Nana or Brian Cage are going to get involved. And then I fully believe Nick Wayne is going to get involved somewhere to offset that. So I think combined with the participants, you're going to see probably nine people involved in this match um i don't know what to expect because you know once say this is a coffin match a tag team coffin match and both people should be put in the coffin but that just seems like it's just doing a lot and i think what's more likely going to happen is um Castine can't lose and you know darby allen needs some sort of momentum going into all in i mean excuse me all out so I think Swerve Swerve is going to get the one that's going to end up being put in the casket and losing the match. Yeah, um, the way I see it going, I, I you know they've been doing a lot with Swerve lately, and I don't see Darby or Sting getting uh, buried. I think you know I saw this uh, one. I think it was Darby and uh, uh, Darby and um, Brian Cage in a casket match, and Darby jumped. Did uh did his um coffin drop into a coffin, and I can see that happen again. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think Christian bounces on Swerve towards the end of the match, and Swerve gets buried that way, and maybe set up a little beef between Swerve and Christian too, because Christian's a despicable heel that hates everything and everyone. Yep. All right. That he is. Yeah, that he is. I'll do best heel in wrestling right now. Dude is so good at his job, and everybody knows he's good at his job, but people still boo him, which is amazing. Uh, next, we got House of Black against the acclaimed featuring a returning for the first time in a long time. Not the fun loving daddy ass. Is if not uh, if you uh, scissor me daddy ass. We got the badass Billy Gunn. Is making his return with the claim to wrestle the House of Black. So we're going to get a much more aggressive Billy Gunn versus the House of Black. JR, what does badass Billy Gunn coming back mean to you and who you got in the match? So I remember when badass Billy Gunn essentially 
debuted, which was in 1997, after putting a guitar over Honky Tonk Man's head when he was, you know, joined with Road Dog to become the New Age Outlaws. So going looking back over 25 plus years, 26 years, I've really been a fan of Billy Gunn. He was one of the best charismatic characters um, in, in especially in tag team wrestling in during that time uh, when when he was in his, during his his heyday. And I mean, the dude looks at his age. I mean, even not for his age in general, has one of the best bodies. Uh, some of the I've seen his workouts with, with with bodybuilders like Michael Hearn has some crazy great arm workouts. Um, I've actually used some of them for for my purposes uh, when I work out arms, and I'm just you know really you know just impressed by him and what he does. And it's good to see him you know back in that character and interesting to see what they're going to do with that character at all in everybody you know we talked about the acclaim acclaim has been one of the best you know shooting uh shooting stars rising stars of AEW from where they were when they first debuted to where they're at today when given when they were put in a position in the storyline to get over they got over like nobody else did as you as evident by their merch uh you know merch numbers and just hearing them in the crowds, uh, we're about almost you know a month away. Would be you know eleven months ago they become tag team champions and had a run for it, and then they lost momentum when they lost the belts to the Gun Club and they kind of been just hanging around, coming out there popping fans. But you know, I think this would potentially help them get that momentum back. But the House of Black is so good. I mean, what they do as a trio. You know, it's, it's the best thing that in that trio's division since the trio's division started. I mean, they're a package deal and it works. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't, I don't think you should take that away from them. But at the same time, you, I think you look at what's going to help you, um, you know, get people, get people over and, and get fans happy. And in an event where I think there could be a lot of heels going over. The acclaim and badass Billy Gunn becoming show champions is going to potentially be a feel good story, and people are going to like it. So I'm going to go with them in this one. Uh, I don't want the acclaim to win. I want to be clear. I think they're going to win. I don't want them to win. I, I I do think it's great to give Billy Gunn his curtain call, his last match with the, uh, the trio champions. Uh, except House of Black, I think most of the trios, almost all the trios were consisted of former AEW Tag Team Champions, so um, that's great, but uh, yeah, I, I I think the acclaimed win, and, you know, and it's funny, I just had this thought, they might win because of Andrade and the other group. I think they might screw over the House of Black. I don't think the Andrade thing is over. But we'll see. I, that's just a thought I just had in my head. I, I truly think the show needs a battle royal. I, I truly think they need a pre-show battle royal. I, I think the pre-show battle royal did just such a does such a good job of getting the file uh, crowd filed, uh, fired up, and it's such a big stadium. I just think you need all those people on the show. I think you need to get everybody on the show. I think it does something for morale. But that being said, yeah, the claim's gonna win. I don't want them to win. I really like the House of Black. I think they've added. Uh, I think there were some respectful, really respectful trio champions, but they come off as badass monsters of the trios division. They come off as a true trios team, and I don't want to lose that. So I want the House of Black to win. 
I believe the claim's going to win. All right. On to the next match. We, we will start by getting a live performance of the most popular song in AEW history. Judas by Chris Jericho and Fozzie. Or just Fozzie. It's not Chris Jericho. <laughs> Bless me. Uh, it's not Chris Jericho and Fozzie. It's uh, Fozzie. Uh, that includes Chris Jericho. And then we're going to get a match. The GOAT. The self-proclaimed GOAT. Chris Jericho. Uh, Hall of Famer. You know, like literally, if you try to list everything he's done, this show could go on another hour, and I'm not interested in that. So you got Chris Jericho versus the Aerial Assassin, former New Japan World Champion, current New Japan United Kingdom Champion, uh, pretty much the heart of England. And in a shout-out to SummerSlam 92, we got Canada versus the UK, Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. What do you think? How do you see it going down, Jr.? Well, I'm—I don't know if you know this, Floyd, and, but I know from experience, my boys from across the pond, across the pond, they love to indulge in a few pints, and you know, AW was so kindly, uh, graciously gave them an opportunity to go use the bathroom during this performance, so that way they don't miss actual wrestling. So, thank you, AW, for doing that because I will be going to the restroom and and getting the snack during this horrendous performance Jericho's about to put on. I mean, I, I can't stand the dude. I don't know why people love him. Just the egomaniacal man that he is, dude. Like, he is, you know, the, the only thing that he's missing is, you know, take you know taking the, the AEW World Championship and running it for three years like Hogan did during WCW. So it's ridiculous. He should not be in this match. Well, Osprey is one of the greatest to ever do it. Chris Jericho should be in retirement some uh, somewhere in Tampa, Florida. So um, I just hope that Will Ospreay can carry this man for however length of it is. Will Ospreay should go over. He better go over. And that's all I want to see. And that's all I got to say about that. As Rich Lotta says, Mr. Rich Lotta says this every time. One of the greatest producers ever. One of my favorite people ever. Do not, and I repeat, do not, with your last breath, do not count out Chris Jericho. Every time this man is put in a big spot at a big event, he delivers. Chris Jericho will deliver, but unfortunately, he will be taking the hidden blade. And Will Ospreay will be coming out the winner of this match. And Will Ospreay, in the last two months... As he said on his, uh, as he said on Dynamite, would have beaten Okada, Chris Jericho, and Kenny Omega in a two-month period. And so, that being said, he also said that his uh, contract was up in six months. I truly believe he'll be signing with AEW, and yeah, I uh, see world title in his uh, future. But uh, most importantly. The most important thing is he will be beating Chris Jericho. So, uh, JR wants Chris Jericho to lose. I think Chris Jericho is going to lose. Now, let's ask uh, a little, as I won't say more important question, but a side question. Uh, I asked this question online yesterday. So, Tony Khan 
only has enough to sign one more person, only one more roster spot in January. This is completely hypothetical. That man can probably sign as many people as he wants to. But completely hypothetical situation, he only can sign one. He can either re-sign MJF or sign Will Ospreay. JR, which one do you do? I'm sorry your Jericho talk put me to sleep. I just woke up again. Um, so this is a very tough thing because Will Ospreay is as some one of the greatest performers I've seen in you know what he's done in New Japan, and I enjoy his work a lot. I'm like I'm actually I'm I'm happy going to Japan for Wrestle Kingdom. And seeing him wrestle is like is some one thing I'm very excited for. With that said, though, MJF is your AEW original. He is your first like like when you think of homegrown talents, there's really like two people, and MJF is one of them. That he took him from a guy that was hey that guy's a great prospect to he's your main event world champion. So I can't imagine a world where let's say they're both offered the same money that you would only you would take Will Ospreay over MJF in AEW. I agree. Uh on a TV product basis, I think uh I think uh MJF is in the top five uh of TV products and brands there is. Because he's so good on the mic, he's so good at performing, and then he's a really good wrestler. It Because of all the things involved in wrestling as far as the entertainment thing, I would go MJF. If it's just, just in-ring, of course, it's Will Ospreay. He's one of the greatest workers of our time. Uh, I've literally never seen a match that he's done that's bored me. That man works every match. Like It's going to be amazing. Uh, so, uh, I want to, yeah, I like, if you're asking Floyd who he would sign, Floyd would sign MJF. I mean, uh, no, Floyd would sign Will Ospreay. Absolutely. Cause he's one of my favorite wrestlers. But if you're saying, what should Tony Khan do? You do the most TV friendly wrestler that you have. And MJF is the most TV friendly wrestler out of the two. So that's how I was like, I just thought it was an inter question. I was uh, watching it. Because when he said his contract was up, I thought the, of the bidding war of 2024. So I thought I should. Uh, I thought that would be a great way uh, to think about it, to break up just uh, us making predictions. Uh, we both picked Osprey to win the match. I take it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're going with uh, we're going with Osprey. Next matchup for the real world's title and the difference between. The AEW title and the real world title is a big ass X. So uh, we got Mr. Uh, CM Punk uh, versus Samoa Joe. Uh, this match first took a place in a room with 400 people. Now it's taking a place in a stadium with 80,000. Uh, I have to think that means a lot to them. Uh, JR, uh, speculate. What do you think this means to them? I, I think when you when you look at their careers from where they started, uh, from the independence, from I'm, I'm trying to remember the name. Samojo started in the same company John Cena did. And I think it was called UPW in California, um, and I believe CM Punk started in um, IWA. 
want to say IWA Mid-South with Chris Hero. Um, and then you saw them coming up to Ring of Honor, and then their careers took different trajectories from that point. And, you know, CM Punk, I think I got of the no variety and the, I think, the push that he earned. I don't think it was as big as what it should have been. I mean, I really think it was just, it was that one year run or one year plus run as world champion. You know, he got a lot of good feuds, but like, I don't think he really got the, you know, the big, the, the big run that he, you know, was truly capable of. And I know for a fact that Samojo did not, because while he was champion in impact, he deserved a bigger spot. He didn't have the bodybuilder look, but he had a presence about him and his work on the mic was amazing. And I tell people go back and when they gave him an opportunity um, with like Brock Lesnar and just what he did on the mic was, was, was truly remarkable. And what both of them do, they both present themselves as extremely believable in what they do in that ring. And that's why I love both of them. You know, in their own way, I'm a very big Samoa Joe fan. I'm a bigger Samoa Joe fan than the CM Punk fan. I've loved Samoa Joe for years, um, and I'm just happy that both of them, at this t- time in their career, are finally they're they're on a stage that's the biggest stage they've both been on. And you're like, well, wait a minute, CM Punk was at WrestleMania, he defend the belt. I'm like, CM, he was, but. I mean, CM Punk is a major focal point in AEW. And at that time, when he got that part at WrestleMania, it was like, it was all about Cena and Rock. Even going into 29 was about Cena and Rock. So he is leading the show on Collision, and he's getting this opportunity to be on 80, you know, with 80,000 plus fans, which. Actually, as I say that, I'm pretty confident in saying I think that may have been that is definitely at least for ticket sales, way bigger than 28 and 29. So I think this is the you know the biggest stage he's been on at Wembley. So I think it means a lot to them. And think about that: 400 people to 80,000 plus. That is truly remarkable. Yeah, you talking about wrestling and you know for your dreams, hot dog and a handshake, whatever. Uh, that is uh, amazing transformation. Uh, it has to mean a lot to them. Uh, I got a question. Do either one of us d- think that there's any way in hell Samojo is winning this match? No, absolutely not. No, I mean, I mean, my, you can break my it best down. Hope is he's going to kick ass. That's my thing. He's going to kick. He's he's going to do a lot of believable kick ass shit. But at the end of the day. It's a GTS and a one, two, three. Yeah, and I just think the best way to wrestle this match is to f- make it a fight. Uh, make it maybe 15, maybe 20 minutes of them just going hard at each other and then ending the match that way. I, um, if there was a match that I had to cut time from and I would not may it matter to me, it would be this match. I think this match works better short and physical. What do you think, Jr.? Absolutely. I mean, this match is... I don't believe there's going to be like anything that's would be you considered aerial. I think this is going to be in... You know, I think you would use the term ground and pound. It's going to be a hard hitting. It's going to be stiff. And it's going to be, you know, technical groundwork. 
you know, I you probably going to see more chin locks and headlocks than you would see missile drop kicks or or moonsaults in this match. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, what's next? What's next? Well, in, in next we're going to discuss the main event because it's not the match that means the most to us. It is MJF, MJF, Adam Cole, the two best friends fighting each other in Wembley Stadium for the AEW World Title. So it's the one without the X for all of the people that are having problems keeping up. Uh, MJF. Adam Cole, who turns on who? Who walks away with the title? If it that do you if you feel those answers are different? Man, this is I've been racking my brain on this for a while, and you and I talked about this watching Dynamite, and I'm still going back and forth. Everything in me tells me that MJF should be the one that turns on Adam Cole, which you know when when something that is you know, I think too easy to call you. The call is to go the opposite way, which would be Adam Cole. And I could see Adam Cole turning heel and, you know, potentially even kind of carrying the storyline to another match um, by turning heel on, on MJF. I just, I just don't see though how MJF loses the belt because with, I think either, I think when we get to the into the fall, the end game is the world's world's champion MJF. Excuse me, world world's champion CM Punk versus the AEW world champion um, MJF to go back to unfinished business that began at All Out 2022. And as I'm as I said, everything I still don't have an answer besides MJF is retaining. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with the obvious. I think MJF is the one that, you know, that potentially turn, turns on Adam Cole. And I'm going the completely opposite way. I think Adam Cole, Mr. Austin, as his real name, is going to challenge a challenge, another Austin, Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 17. He said he has to win this match. And he has to win. He has to win this match. And... The kingdom, when the kingdom is at its full power, it is four. When Adam Cole is running a show when, at its full power, his group has four. The Undisputed Era was awesome with Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Roderick Strong, and uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and Adam Cole, but it didn't reach its full power until uh, Roderick Strong joined, turned and joined. That's why I feel about the kingdom. Roderick Strong went and got Matt Taven. When it got Mike Bennett, the final piece of the puzzle, the final, the final, the final piece of the puzzle is Mr. Adam Cole, baby. And at the end of the night in London, we're going to be like, Adam Cole, baby. And right behind him will be our Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Roger Strong. ROH takes over. Ends up taking over AEW at the end of the night on the biggest stage. I just think a stage this big needs a moment that everybody's going to be talking about. MJF uh, staying heel or being ridiculous is not something everybody's going to talk about. Oh, MJF's still a dick. Adam Cole uh, turning on MJF 
winning the world title, ending the show with the uh, uh, the kingdom in the middle ring. That's what everybody's talking about forever. Hey, you know what? And even with that said, eventually they could do a rematch and MJF if beats Adam Cole and they could still get to what I said. So it's a beautiful thing about wrestling. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. All right. And then last but not least, I'm going to be tried to be as less loquacious as possible on this. But uh, it is my dream match, my personal dream match. Uh, the Sons of Brett, Mr. The FTR, the AEW World Tag Team Champions FTR versus the you know one of the greatest tag teams of all time two-time AEW world tag team champions the evps the founders the people that created all in young bucks for the AEW world tag team champions uh yeah just i mean it's not the reason i'm at the show because i was going to the show before i knew this was a match honestly uh last year when i had a prediction I felt like this match was going to be CMFTR versus the Elite. I thought that's what the build was going to be. And then they announced this. And I'm even more than happy. 1,000 people in Jacksonville. Uh, that's where I saw the first FTR and Young Bucks match. And if you had asked me two years or a few years before when I was imagining that this match may happen, I was thinking WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, all these places with huge audiences. And... We got it in front of a thousand people. And I I mean, for a while, it was my favorite match that I ever viewed. So believe me, it delivered. But now you get FTR, uh, Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler versus Nick and Matt Jackson in front of 80,000 people. Basically, one and two is a tag team. You can pick who you think is one. You can pick who you think is two. Uh, I love them both. Um, but now we get them in the middle of the ring and I get to be there for it. As, uh, Ric Flair says, tear in my eye. That's what I'm saying for this tear in my eye. So, sir, what does this match mean to you first? Be as loquacious as you would like. And who do you have winning? So I'm going to start with this, uh, if you like the Young Bucks, I am happy for you. I'm glad you like them. I have respect what the Young Bucks do has done because I think they helped take the business to a different level with the way they cultivated a, a different audience that created a very loyal fan base that allowed um, AEW to be created. And I and made wrestling what it is today. This new era where you have two two national companies that put on uh, shows that are great in their own respected way. Um, I was I met the Young Bucks. I think they're decent guys. Uh, I appreciate what they do, and if you like that thing, I'm happy for you. I am a the end of the day, uh, I I don't want to say I was born because essentially I, I learned um, I'm a traditional wrestling fan. I like teams like the Hart Foundation and the uh, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and the Midnight Express, and I love FTR. 
I think the Young Bucks like what they do. I think the Young Bucks love that they are able to make a living and provide for the family. Uh, I think they like being where they're at as far as the the um, the international the national international appeal that they've created. I know FTR loves this business. They breathe this business. It didn't matter if they're wrestling in front of 80,000 people in Wembley Stadium or if they're wrestling in front of eight people in a barn somewhere in Louisville, Kentucky. They love professional wrestling and they are, uh, we're going to do it. And I also think they get a bad rap for two reasons. Number one, they had a very terrible run on the main roster when they were WWE. They did not get the opportunities they deserved. And getting a championship does not necessarily mean you get opportunities um, or you get a chance with meaningful storylines. At the end of the day, it's a prop. It's what you do with that prop that puts you in a better place. And I'll give you an example. This year, FTR became champions by defeating the Gov Club. And they were not given meaningful material or storyline until about summer when they started feuding with the Bullet Club and got on collision. Then they got put in a better position. Um, the Young Bucks, when they had the belts, were put in a better position. And I'm not saying that's some behind, I'm not saying that was done maliciously. I'm just saying it's the way it is. It's how you do with the belt. I felt the same way when Hangman became AW World Champion compared to previous champions like Jericho and Moxley um, and Omega. That you know he was not given the same opportunities as the previous champions. Um, I think they also get a bad rap because somebody that they loved growing up that was their hero, uh, a part of their hero team, um, has said some very bad things about talent that fans like. And I will say this, I don't agree. I've heard some of it and I don't agree with it. I don't think the young bucks are these terrible human beings and have ruined professional wrestling. And I don't like some of that takes either. I said, but what I do know though, is that FTR are not, uh, have not done anything that should be misconstrued as racist or sexist or anything of that nature, because I know personal stories of what they've done with people of color and people in the LGBTQ community and help raise funds for those equal communities. And I've known what they've done for people that I have close relationship with. And I don't think that's fair for people to say those things about Cash and Dax. And then I know there was a recent trouble with Cash. You weren't there. You don't fucking know what happened. So until things come out in public... How about you let things play out? Because in this country, there is a presumption of innocence and innocence until proven guilty. So let's just move on from that. Now, going into the match, um, if you think the Young Bucks are the top team, great. I believe the FTR is the best team. And, and if not one of, they are the best tag team in the history of professional wrestling. Because what they do to in my opinion, is extremely believable in the styles they put on. And when they get an opportunity like they did last year with the Briscoes and what they did with like uh, with Juice and, and um, Jay White is put on matches second to no one. 
And that is what they're going to do in All In. I think that they were put in a bad position with the promo today where they were, as I mentioned earlier, I felt they were a little bit buried. Um, I don't think for AEW's sake, the Young Bucks need to win this. I think the right thing to do is FTR to get the match, uh, to get the win in Wembley because it's going to give them what they uh, have earned and that is cement their legacy as being one of the greatest tag teams in the history of professional wrestling. They should be walking out of Wembley as the champions. Now, there are ways that you can do it and push some chicanery and shenanigans apart to you know protect the Young Bucks. But to further the storyline and to get to the storyline that we all want, let's be clear. And that is for men to quit acting like children and start acting like men who get paid to do a job and put on a show that we all want to see, which is CMFTR versus the elite on a big stage. It's time to fucking nut up, suck it up, buttercup, be a man, get, you get do your profession what you're paid to do, and that is wrestle somebody. And by losing the match, I think we'll carry this to carry the story down the road. But I mean if you bury them in a promo essentially on Wednesday and then on Sunday they lose again, you've you've killed a lot of their credibility. And I think it's important that FTR it gets that gets that W to cement who they are in AEW and not just, hey, you get the belts when the young bucks don't fucking want to run with it. And that's sometimes how it feels. And I'm not saying that to be malicious to the young bucks. Because I don't know if that, you know, everybody's like, well, they got strength or pull because they're EVPs. You know what? Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with Tony Khan because that's what I know because I've heard it come out of his mouth. That's what it is. So Tony Khan needs to do what's right for business and allow FTR to continue the run with the belts and then set up for what we all want to see. So I want to see FTR leave Wembley and not get buried um, twice within uh a five-day span. All right. Well, let me give my thoughts. I know people will find this hard to believe, uh, as I am called FTR Express on my Twitter, uh, but I don't care fairly who wins. After tonight's promo, I am more of FTR needs to win more than the Young Bucks. I think uh, as far as what you're building in your company, as far as your tag team divisions, uh, you got teams coming back, you got the best friends, you got Proud and Powerful back, uh, you know, eventually, you're, I, I think we'll, we'll get Kings of the Black Throne, you got this Elucia Bros, I think right now, as far as you want workhorses in the division, right? And no one cares more about being the face of this division and the workhorse of the tag team division than FTR. I, the Young Bucks, they can be featured in a lot of different ways and a lot of different feuds. You just saw it over the last few months. They don't really need the belts. But FTR, they're, the thing is that they're the best tag team in the world. So, you know, you kind of need the belt to back that up. So, I truly believe, business reasons, whatever, FTR wins this match. I do believe FTR and the Young Bucks are the best tag team of our generation. Uh, 
I think you can go one or two either way and want to hear me. The most influential people in wrestling history, it's not close. The Young Bucks are the most influential uh, people of this wrestling, of this time in wrestling. Them, Cody, uh, Tony Khan, Kenny, they're the most influential people. I mean, the Young Bucks even more than that because they changed the business aspect, how you make money, all that kind of stuff. That starts with the Young Bucks. So as far as the business side of wrestling, hats off to the Young Bucks. In the ring, they're exceptional. They're really good. I don't think they're more exceptional than FTR in the ring. I think in the ring, FTR is as good or better than any tag team to have ever done this. And believe me, I've seen them. I've seen all of them. I grew up a Brain, a brain Busters fan. Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, uh, Anderson's, uh, Heart Foundation, Demolition, shit, uh, Paul, uh, uh, Kendrick and uh, Paul London. Uh, I love them when they were a tag team. Dude, tag team wrestling is my favorite brand of wrestling. So when I say I think they're the best to ever do this, this has nothing to do with me liking them which they are always good to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm never going to hide that. They're always good to me. As a fan, they they treat me well. Uh, but the Young Bucks, I've met them countless amount of times. They're, they're always good. They understand uh, the fan part of being a tag team. They're good people uh, as far as when they're meeting fans. I, I don't know who these people are behind doors, closed doors. I want to be very clear on that. They're... Neither one of them have done anything to make me dislike them. You know what I mean? Uh, that being said, it, honestly, if you're thinking business, there's no reason FTR shouldn't win. Uh, if the Young Bucks win, I, I could get it. I get it. It's the three of the two or three. But it was something that was alluded to that this was the last one, the third one. This would end it. I'm like, no, there's no way. They just both signed new deals. You're saying you both just signed new deals. You're having a third match in literally the first year of the new deal and you're never going to wrestle again. Ha ha. Sell that to somebody else. But I will be watching this match. I will be standing up. I will be blocking people's views. I will be going crazy. And yeah. And when it, when that one, two, three hits after the shatter machine, we will be seeing your winners and still AEW tag team champions. Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, FTR. Oh, yes. And as far as the Cash Wheeler incident, because I don't really comment on it, I still don't know what happened. I've heard, I've read one side, one person's side of the thing. It is what it is. I have literally, it's like, it's not that I don't have a comment. It's just, I'm not going to speculate when I hear one person's side of the, uh, of, of the comment because, you know, he was the accuser. Of course, he's going to say he did what he did, but then Cash did not guilty. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I don't really have any thoughts because I don't know what happened. Uh, I've seen the jokes. I don't know if, if Cash thinks they're funny. Uh, some of them are. I've g giggled at some. Some of them are like, oh, that's bullshit, whatever. I mean, it's like, he's a southern white guy from North Carolina. It, I would be shocked if he didn't have a gun. So, there you go. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm nice. I'm a super nice person. I have a gun. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a part of 
being in certain parts of the country. It's just kind of who a part of it. You know, I know some people may agree. Some people might not agree. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, I'm very excited for All In. That is our All In preview. Uh, that's all the matches that have been announced. I'm very excited to go to uh, London. This means the world to me. How lucky and fortunate I am to be able to do stuff like this is never lost on me. I, 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 I am a man of religion. I thank God every time that I make one of these trips and I come home safely. And I thank him that I am fortunate enough to be able to make the trip. If you're not religious, I completely understand that. And I respect your beliefs. Now, I'm just talking about my personal beliefs. I'm not trying to put anything on you. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I am very fortunate to be able to do what I do. I am very fortunate to have the wife that I have that lets me go out of the country without her. I'm very fortunate that I have the friends around me and the family around me to support me and everything that I had a friend that would drop what he was doing that day and ride with me to get a birth certificate in Joplin, Missouri. I had uh, my sister made a spot for me so I could sleep in Dallas the night before my room, my people at work covered for me as I was trying to drive from Dallas to come work 11 hours. I I am fortunate to live the life that I have. I am fortunate to have the people in it. It is not a one man thing. I, I, you know, it is everybody. It's JR talking to me on the road when I need somebody to talk to and staying up and recording the show which you won't know this from this, but recording a show for the second time because we were halfway through JR's part when Austin messaged me he couldn't do the show. And JR, who has to be up in a few hours or whatever, is like, yeah, I got you. Let's record it again. The people in my life, the social suplex, the people that are around me and that I have the pleasure of being in their lives are the reason I feel lucky every day. So shout out to all of you uh, in London. I take all of you with me. Uh, JR, do you have any thoughts before we close the show? Yeah. You know, uh, people don't know this. I, I'm basically, I'm an old man. I try to go to bed, you know, by nine o'clock. So I can wake up at five, 5 a.m. So I can eat my porridge and watch a uh, matlock before I go to work. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, uh, I'll leave you with two things. One, uh, you know, MJF did a, did a uh, interview today and was talking about tribalism. And you can watch the promo, and I'm not going to be able to eloquently say the things that he said. But I'll say this: what a time in wrestling that we are able to go to be a part of. I wasn't around in the '80s during the Crockett and and you know in the beginning of WrestleMania days. I was fortunate enough to be around the Attitude Era and the rise of the NWO. And there was just a lot of, you know, kind of dead period for a while. You know, some companies would do some things. But where I lived, I didn't get indies. I still don't get indies to this day. Um, you know, Impact didn't tour where I was at. It was WWE or nothing. And now I've talked about being fortunate. I've been very fortunate because of wrestling just to meet cool people like Floyd, um, you know, like our friend Tiffany and Jackie and, and some of the people that that uh, Floyd, you know, mentioned because I met him through Floyd, and yeah, you know, Floyd's my boy, and I, I couldn't be there because you know financially I couldn't make it work because of my trip to Japan, as I say, first world problems. But I'm fucking so happy that my boy Floyd can go see it because I know how much it means to him and to be there for this event, and uh, it's just a great time. I mean, we, I, 
a great time in wrestling and just like what you like and support what you love and stop having negativity for something else. Because at the end of the day, when two companies are succeeding, everyone's succeeding. All the talent succeeding. People have jobs. People are making money. And we have opportunities. When I was younger, I couldn't wait for Monday. Because Monday Night Raw and then Monday Night Nitro was sometimes the only days I could watch wrestling growing up. And then, now, you fast track to today, every day of the week there's wrestling, you know, with the exception of, you know, some Sundays there's not. And this week, Monday through Sunday, you get to see something. And it's a great time. The second thing uh, I wanted to say is, um, you know, today we found, um, we lost uh, the living legend, the hardcore legend, uh, an icon of professional wrestling, Terry Funk. Uh, the Funker was, you know, as Floyd would have said, is your, your if you never saw him, he was your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. Um, he had a long career spanning multiple decades. You know, I didn't get to the chance to see him until his hardcore days. And growing up, I, you know, when I was going through college, I'd go back and see some of the stuff he did during the end of the, um, the 80s. And I've seen some matches in the 70s. He, I mean, he was NWA World's Champion, ECW World's Champion, Tag Team Champion, United States Champion, multiple regional champions, Hall of Famer, he was a Feud of the Year, Wrestler of the Year, multiple accolades in Japan. I mean, he he done a lot for this business. And uh, if you just get a chance, don't just see what he did in the 90s with Deathmatch Wrestling and ECW. Go back and look at some of the stuff he did in the 80s and the 70s, working with guys like Harley Race and Dusty Rhodes. And, and you know, um, he he was a tremendous wrestler. He was somebody that I, it's, um, I did not get a chance to meet that I really wanted to, which I'll leave you with this. Don't ever live life on what if and regrets live life to the fullest take advantage of opportunities do what you can to go out there and enjoy what you love because when you miss that chance you cannot get that back um and i've been blessed i've missed a few chances um but i've been blessed to to accomplish a lot of things that i that i've been able to do and and i will speak for floyd because i know what he's been able to, to do in his life so just just do what you can to succeed and enjoy the things that you love to the fullest because you only have one life to live and if you um you i think as the one saying uh, either get busy um get busy living or you get busy dying and i'd rather be busy living my life and with that i uh, i hope you all enjoy all in I can't wait to talk to you guys about it on the other side. All right. That's the end of the show. Uh, I am going to get this show uploaded so I can prepare to get on a plane to London. Thank you all for listening and getting in the show. Uh, Austin and me will be back with a, a review as soon as I get back from London. I'm pretty much going to land, come to work, and then we'll probably be recording the uh, review shortly after that. So I'm looking forward to getting that out there because uh, I plan on talking about probably one of the shows of the year. Uh, thank you all again for listening. And I will leave you how I always leave you. Whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be a leader.
goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.